This device isn't a spaceship. It's a time machine. Goes backwards, forwards. Takes us to a place where we ache to go again. Just let me know. It's not called the wheel. Nothing. Just talk. It's called the carousel. Yeah. So. No, I like California. I just wasn't a big fan of Los Angeles. I don't know. I just didn't feel it. You know what I mean? Like San Diego, I felt it was nice. San Diego, I really liked it. The gaslight district. Then I rented a car, went to Tijuana, Baja California, different towns, ate lobsters, drank margaritas. So that was nice. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah, also drove to from yes, different different times. Like uh, yeah, when I was sixteen. Uh, with my brother, we drove up from uh, Los Angeles to San Francisco, right? When you know, like the beatnik thing, yeah, Hyde Ashbury, the City Lights bookstore, yeah, yep. Jack Kerouac, bought a Jack Kerouac book there, yeah, yeah. Well, that's where, that. that's where to buy one, right? Yeah, definitely, <laughs> right? So, uh, so as an esoteric Trumpist, are you into the beats or are they too like gay and druggy? Yeah, as a, I have a complicated relationship with the beats. So, <laughs> I, I like the beats. Well, I like the beats a lot. Like, I, I went to college in America. I went to first, I went to Keene State College in New Hampshire for a year. Oh. Um, yeah, I was hooked up with a bunch of hippies there, like, you know, like the, the Grateful Dead crowd, uh, Fish, Grateful Dead. So I had like bell-bottom corduroys that I bought at Salvation Army. Um, some crazy, crazy flower power shirts. Uh, listened to Pink Floyd every night. Um, hung out with a bunch of people with strobe light effects in their rooms. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, they got me into the beats. So I really like Jack Kerouac a lot, like on the road, but especially the, the Dharma Bums. I think it's great. I think you know, I've nice never thing. read Dharma Bums. I on the road mm -hmm. completely. I like when I was eighteen, I completely changed my life. You know, huge, huge on the right. road. But uh, I never read Dharma Bums. Never got around to it. I should. Yeah, you really should. I think it's a masterpiece. I think it's. I think it's his best book in my opinion. Really? Oh, I got yeah. it. Okay. I'm ordering it right now. I'm getting it from. Right. Uh, well, because it's very philosophical, really. Like on the road, it's just like matter of fact, right? Like, yeah. I was on this train, like hitchhiking there, did this, that, you know. It's like, I mean, it's good, it's great, you know. But yeah. Dharma bumps, I don't know, for me, I don't know, it sounds silly, but it's really deep, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so I really liked Chuck Herrick. And then later on, I found out Chuck Herrick, he was, he wasn't really a hippie at all. Like, I, I he hated the hippies, right? Like, he was really, really conservative like a catholic conservative spenglerian so to speak like, was he but was he was. was he running from that wasn't he kind of running from that from what wasn't that the whole point is he was rebelling against he was rebelling against that upbringing yeah but he but he but but he totally admitted it in his later years like yeah. you know when he was yeah. drowning in alcohol i guess like yeah. he it really came out again that like the conservative nature basically okay that's good and, and 
Yeah, and I think the Beats, all, like all of the Beats, were quite obsessed with Oswald Spengler's, especially Oswald Spengler's book, The Decline of the West. So there was there was like a the common theme, I think, and I think it had to do with like maybe maybe World War Two, right? Because the Beats really became popular like not long after World War Two, and uh, I think this whole notion of the of the of the of the death of the West and the destruction of Europe and everything, maybe maybe left some kind of mark, I suppose, yeah. So I didn't like all of the beats. So I like Jack Kerouac. I, I always despised Allen Ginsberg. Yeah, Ginsberg is the worst, man. I it's hate just, those it's Ginsberg. Just, I it's just, that shit. Yeah, I can't yeah, stand this. Yeah. Like the, the, the poetry yeah. is just total garbage. Like it's yeah. just shit. It's not even <laughs> good, right? It would be one thing. No, it's, it's horrible, right? Yeah. And then he, was some, then he had some weird pedophile tendencies, yeah, right? Like totally. He was like the, a defender totally. of, what is it, Nambla, I think, totally. right? No, he just wanted to bang these guys. That was like yeah, the only just, reason he was just, around. It's just really vile. I don't know. Like, but at the same time, I really like William Burroughs, who wasn't much better, I must say. In this well, respect. but Burroughs was definitely just as much of a pedo. Right. Yeah, I know, why... I know. But you have to. <laughs> but here, but, but with but with Burroughs, I can separate the the art from the man, right? Yeah. Because, because <laughs> like Burroughs had a had a profound influence on, I would say, I'm an artistic career. Yeah, because especially the the cut up technique. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. So, so yeah, no, like, I've read Naked Lunch. I, I I totally got into Naked Lunch. It's great. It's amazing. Yeah, Naked Lunch. All the other ones like uh, yeah. The, the well, the cut up technique is when you basically take other. I just want to explain to the audience real quick. So when, when you take other people's texts basically and you just take fragments of them and you piece them back together to to, oh. to make your own texts. Wait, yeah. what is it? Sorry, what is it called? The technique? It's called the cut. It's called the cut up technique. Cut up. Right? Cut yeah, up. cut like to cut up to cut something up with scissors. Uh -huh. Because well, it was actually it actually was invented by the Dadaists uh, in the in the 1920s. Uh, I think they, they came up with the idea of creating cut up poetry. I think oh, in yeah. it in, sounds in, in, very in, Dada. It's very Dadaist. Well, yeah, I think Trist, Tristan Sara, the the founder of Dadaism, uh, invented it in Zurich in Switzerland, where he basically cut up some other people's writings and put them in a bag, the fragments, and randomly pulled them out and piece them back together. But Burroughs uh, perfected it, though, because I think Naked Lunch and several of his other novels were completely composed as cut-up books, like cut-ups from his own texts, earlier texts, and cut-ups from other people's texts and pieced them back together like fragments. So, so I experimented with that a lot when I was in college. Uh, like, I found it really fascinating. That's really... Um, same with, like, Kathy Acker. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with her. She's oh. another Kathy Acker. She's she's a feminist, uh, postmodern writer. Acker, A, -A, -A C K E R, Kathy, Kathy, Kathy Acker. Kathy. <laughs> well, Kathy K, 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 K A T H Y. <laughs> yes. okay. Look her up, yeah. Kathy Acker. Acker. Yeah, I see, I see. Yeah, there she goes. Yeah, so she she died of cancer quite young. Um, she was highly influenced by Burroughs, and she was literally a plagiarist, right? Like she would admit, like plagiarizing texts, which is interesting, I suppose. Uh, I think she had to go to court even because she basically incorporated large passages of other people's writings, like like unchanged, into her work, and the people sued her in the end. Um, so postmodernist stuff, basically. Um, Died in Tijuana. At age fifty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, she was in some. She was. I think she was in some weird um, alternative medicine kind of yeah. hospital or whatever to treat her cancer. Didn't work though, unfortunately. Um, yeah. So Kathy Acker, 
William Burroughs, uh, yeah, liked a lot than other writers like H.P. Lovecraft, of course, uh, quite obsessed with Lovecraft. Yeah, uh, moving away from the beatniks now. Yeah, well, Lovecraft was what like <clears throat> the beats were with the thirties to the forties, and then Lovecraft was wait, what, the wait, 20s? wait, no, wait, stop, no, the beats were yeah, beats thirties, forties, yeah, fifties, you know, I would say fifties into the fifties, fifties, maybe sixties even. And Lovecraft was what like twenty nineteen twenty yeah, yeah, around nineteen twenties, yeah. right? So, yeah. but he created his own myth, you know, the whole Cthulhu. Yeah, of course. With the, with the great old ones and all that stuff. So, yeah, quite interesting. Um, I went to his, I put flowers on his grave in Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, he's a, he's Providence. So, you, so I've only been to one writer's grave and mine was Charles Bukowski because I'm a big Bukowski fan. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I love Bukowski. Where, <laughs> where, 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 yeah. Where, where's he buried? He's here. He's in LA. You know, he's. All oh, right. Yeah. Well, not yeah, so right. He's in yeah. San Pedro, oh. which is this weird area. Uh, yeah, if I ever come back to California, I'll definitely have to go visit his grave. I'm, I'm a fan of visiting all of his graves. So, so yeah, I've been to, well, Lovecrafts and Edgar Allan Poe in Baltimore have also been put flowers there. It's in, it's in a big black ghetto now. Yeah, yes, uh, <laughs> yeah we'll see uh, how long uh, that lasts. <laughs> That's going to dig that it's, up. <laughs> it's well protected, though, yeah, because I, I, I was like, uh, I don't even remember, like 25 years ago when I was there in Baltimore and I stayed at a youth hostel uh, and, I, and I told the people, it was before like internet and, and, and mobile phones and all that stuff. So I asked the people at the youth hostel, I said, well, I have to go visit Edgar Allan Poe's grave. Could you direct me? And there was like a map of Baltimore. And I said, yeah, it's there. You don't really want to go there. It's like, it's, and I said, but why? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do want to go there. And I said, yeah, well, you know, but it's not really a safe area and so on. Well, we know why, obviously. So, but I, I went anyway. It was during the day, and I, I was fine. Like nothing happened to me. And uh, it's like an, it's in a churchyard, like next to a small church. Um, and it was locked. The gate was locked. So, so like there was a bell. I rang the bell, and some some gatekeeper came out of the church. Some some big black guy let me in. Nice, nice and friendly. So took a picture. There's a big yeah. raven, like a sculpture of a raven above the tombstone, which was. Donated by the French, some French literary society. Oh, that's because... awesome. This is a great story. And so nobody, did you just take a cab or the No, no, I walked. You walked? No, no, I just walked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I walked from the, from the hostel, took like an hour or something. Yeah. I had a map with me. So yeah. no, walked, walked back, walked there and back. And nobody you know? gave you any, nobody gave no. you any trouble. No, no problems. But nice. no, we're fine. Uh, yeah, because Paul, I don't know if you know this, because, because Paul, was not respected in his own country in America. Like he was virtually unknown when he died. He was found like his dead body was found on the streets in Baltimore because he was a drunkard, obviously, of course, you know, uh, during one of his drunken episodes, he must have probably passed out on the street and then froze to death or something. Wow. Uh, and um, well, he wasn't really famous. And then uh, Baudelaire, Charles Baudelaire, the, the French poet, he, he translated uh, Poe's stories into French and he became very successful in France. Like people just loved Poe. And only then did he become also famous in his own country. Oh, so, that's how that uh, happened. Right, it is. How did yeah. Baudelaire find him? Oh, I don't, I mean, he, he was known, I guess, and he was published. So, and, and Baudelaire was, was like a, brother in spirit i i suppose because of this whole gothic because his poetry is also like very depressing very gothic very dark macabre 
Yes, so very much in the same style as Poe. And okay. I think that's where he translated Poe's stories. Yes. Because he was a poet, he was a poet. I mean, his, poet, his poetry, Baudelaire, is like world famous. He wrote a book called The, the Flowers of Evil, which is still studied at universities all over the world if you study French literature. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah, so he popularized Poe in France and he became very, very famous in France and only then in, in the United States, you know. Yeah, you know, now the uh, the only thing that Baltimore remembers about Edgar Allan Poe is that the football team is called the Ravens. Yeah, and I had no idea. Really? Okay. <laughs> wow. Ah, yeah, and now they're in, they're very good. They're about to go to the Super Bowl, the Ravens, which is funny because Baltimore is not even really a city anymore. I mean, it's basically dead. You know, like uh, Baltimore and St. Louis, those types of cities are like, they don't exist anymore, really. Uh because Baltimore is just a part of the DC larger cloud of of uh, stuff, you know. So like downtown Baltimore is gone, pretty much. Really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like you. It's the same thing with St. Louis. You go to St. Louis. I be oh, I, I lived in St. Yeah. Louis for several months. Oh, yeah. hey, wow. there you go. That's totally <laughs> right. This totally depressing St. Louis. Yeah, it's just like a. It's like a just bombed out i was just gonna say i was i was gonna use the exact same phrase it looks like a bombed out city when you try through yeah. it it's like, wow yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, there's nothing oh, there oh, so oh, it's oh, like yeah. yeah like the only people with money who still live in those places live on the it's like detroit also nobody lives yeah. in the city that people live there's still people who kind of live on the outside that will go in for a baseball game you know, they'll go in and kind of experience the old city, but there's no actual like life in the city anymore. It's it's completely dead. Well, and yeah, that's a lot of them are like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've been, I've been to several of those. Used to go on lots of road trips in the U.S. Like the, another yeah. another another good one is uh, is what is it? Um, Butte, Montana, right? Oh, I've never been to Butte. That's that's cool. yeah. It's also yeah deserted town like a ghost town well people still live there but it, it seems yeah. like a like a ghost town almost yeah because when you walk around it's like completely deserted and i guess there's very high unemployment and a lot of meth labs in butte montana uh but it has i i find this the the by the way there was just a thumb that appeared on the screen like a thumbs up i don't know, you know why that happens that that's weird right. i don't know uh, why well, it's no it's i'm just curious I, okay no it, i've i've noticed that it's like if you say something okay but who does this thing so, turned on Okay. Well, okay, it doesn't matter. But anyway, so 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 uh, what I find really fascinating is this faded glory of of of, of these um, of these I don't know I would say mid-sized American cities like Butte, Montana. Another good one is Hot Springs, Arkansas, where basically you have these buildings from I don't know like early 20th century, 1920s or even earlier. But a lot of them are boarded up, like there's nothing inside just like boarded up with wood sometimes you have like a bar at the bottom and in butte montana in one of those buildings i think it was like i don't know also early 20th century i thought 1920 maybe 1915 there was like a hotel and that's where i stayed in butte montana and it was like the shining right because it was like <laughs> it's like it was like 50 rooms i think i was the only guest it, it felt really weird and i was only some really really old woman at reception yeah right? and that's all that there was there's nothing yeah, yeah. And, and they had a bar they had a bar i don't know with like 20 bar stools but it was never anybody there except me yes and yeah. Drink yeah i found it really fascinating i really really enjoyed that atmosphere it's yeah, like we, haunted almost 
Yeah, no, it, well, the West is full of those. We stayed at a place uh, in Three Forks, Montana. Sorry, I turned off. And it was the same thing. It was one of these old, like, ancient hotels. And, uh, and like, it, it, there was nobody there. And it's like some, yeah, it's like people come, supposedly come. It's at Three Forks is where the three rivers come together. So that was where, like, Lewis and Clark, that's where they, uh-huh. it, that was, like, the end of the road for them. Right. Where they had to go over the land to get to the ocean. Um, right. So... It's supposedly like a you know like this was the, the key part of their journey and like where they split up on the way back, um, but there was nobody there. I actually wrote a piece about this called "There's Going to Be a War in Montana" that like blew up to like a year and a half ago, and it was okay. all about the difference between Bozeman, Montana, and then Three Forks, Montana, because Bozeman you know basically looks like West Hollywood now. Everything's right, like right, rainbow right. flag. Yeah, and it's it's all totally fake. It's like. Right. You'll go to a restaurant and it'll be like the down home Montana grill. And then, <laughs> and then, and then you learn yeah. it's owned by a private equity group Obviously. that is based in right. London. You know what I mean? They have yeah, nothing to do surprising. with Montana. And then the, the menu is like the Montana flatbread. And it's just like a pizza, you know, it's like wow. a frozen pizza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and so, so the That's piece was about like how this like private equity um, you know, I know you guys are anti-globalist. I'm an anti-globalist. I think that like globalism is really defined by this process of taking over local ho- locales and like hollowing them out, but keeping the 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 crust, like keeping yeah, yeah, the carcass right. on the outside, you know, so it still kind of looks authentic. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So basically, you just have the shell. Yeah, right? the shell. And, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, no, I, yeah, I know what you're talking about, and and. It, 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 well, it's not just it's all over the world. It's like this. You you, you find this phenomenon really. Yeah, well, it's everywhere, especially in the West, though, right? Yeah. And um, yeah, very interesting. Uh, yeah. So when I wrote the Trump book, Esoteric Trumpism, I was influenced by by these writers. Yeah. So I mean, they're all. I don't know if you read the book. Have you read the book yet? By no, the way? no. I got it. I just we're. I'm just getting uh, to. I didn't even really understand. So tell me about it. Tell me about the book. I have not read it. Ah. Uh, okay. Well. I don't know. Let's see. Uh, so esoteric Trumpism uh, is a well, it's a nonfiction book. It was just released like uh, three days ago, uh, January. Oh, 20. so it just came out. Twentieth uh, tw- of January, symbolic date, right? We chose like the, one year before the inauguration. Ah, uh, nice. Well, you put it on January sixth, also. That yeah, was- but it, yeah, I was actually thinking about it, but then. Yeah, I just didn't have time to finish the book. Basically, okay. I just ordered. It. I just ordered it from Amazon. Right. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So basically, it it, it gets here very fast. You realize I can order this from Amazon, and it's it supposedly gets here in two days. Right. Well, yeah, it's Amazon. yeah, but it's yeah. Amazon. Have like, yeah, I don't know, like branches all over the place, yes, all over the world, really nowadays. Well, because they must um, just print it on demand in some thing, like it, right here. Well, it is right. So, so yeah. it's like the closest place, probably, probably, probably in your city or nearby, maybe Mexico. Yeah. Who knows? Right. Um, I don't know. Um, anyway, so yeah, so basically, it's like a philosophical, poetical discourse uh, w- with Trump as the focus, but not Trump as the man, but Trump as a symbol, right? So, so, so Trump symbolizes the, the 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 resistance to globalism, to to the to the, the uniform, yeah, absolutely, absolutely of the world. So yes, yeah, so I have like Trump as Trump viewed from a from a 
Spenglerian perspective. Like, I don't know if you're familiar with with Oswald Spengler. So I tried reading, you know, I tried to read um, the, it's Decline of the West. No, that's... Yeah, Decline of, yeah, Decline of the West is the famous one. Yeah, I tried reading one. it and I just couldn't get very far. So tell me, tell me what Spengler is saying and tell me what you're saying and yeah, tie, well, tie it all together yeah. for me. All right, so in a nutshell, just Oswald Spengler's Decline of the West, basically, well, he says that well, we are the West. So the book was written in the 1920s, so, so 100 years ago, basically. Uh, and 100 years, so right after, well, shortly after the First World War. Uh, so Spengler basically saw the West in terminal decline. And not just Germany, his home country, but not just Europe, but including America, Australia, like the whole Western civilization was going down. Right. And and he compared Western civilization in the book to other civilizations in the past. And his main theory is that basically a civilization is like an organism. So a civilization is born, uh, it grows up, it, it reaches its, uh, I don't know, it's, it's um, how do you say, it? the peak, yes, when it's like really blossoming, the, the youth, like the youth of a man, you're the strongest, you're, you're full of energy, you're, you're full of vitality, and you're very creative, very active. But then you grow older, you mature, eventually you grow old and then you die, right? So this is what happens to civilization, uh, sorry, to cultures, because Spengler says like when a, when, a, when a civilization is young, it's basically a culture. It, it's very creative. It, it expands and I don't know, creates new philosophy, new art and so on. But then it gets older, it atrophies basically like uh, what slow decay starts to set in and then culture turns into a civilization when technology capitalism money takes over basically right and people don't really care about art anymore art becomes a commodity yes and and, and that's the end of it and eventually then a culture dies like like everybody everything or everybody dies and a new civilization comes and replaces it basically uh so it's like a cycle of life yeah so basically history is not linear but it's cyclical Right, it's in cycles, uh, according to Spengler. Um, yeah, in my opinion, it makes sense. I, I mean, I, I can totally see it. Yeah, and 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 he says it's it's irreversible. Once a civilization is in decline, and that's it. Right, it, it's going to die. It's irreversible. And then, if you're lucky, something new will come out of it. Yes, and he said our Faustian civilization is in terminal decline. It, that's it. And how it connects to Trump is in the same book. He says wait, that sometimes why sorry sorry why Faustian. Yeah. Ah, Faustian, like Faust, like the Faustian principle, right? Right. Because but... he, he says that he says that the the Western culture is is a Faustian culture, like well, it's from from Goethe's Faust uh, and also from Christopher Marlowe Faust, like the, the legend of of Doctor Faust, uh, who was who made a pact with the devil, right. basically. To, to, right. Uh, well, Western, well, you could say Western cultures are the Promethean, like from from the Greek myth Prometheus, who stole the fire. From the gods and gave it to mankind or faustian meaning that the western peoples always want to go further and want to expl like explore more that's why it is very it's very unique to western culture the whole history of exploration like christopher columbus and uh i don't know going to the moon going to the yeah. stars you know, it's like like other cultures don't really have this. I mean, now they do sort of, but they just copy the West. They originally didn't have it. Like the Chinese, they didn't go out and all over the world and establish colonies like far, far away on other continents and just sailed into the unknown. You know, 
not knowing what's going to happen. But the Westerners did because they have this innate drive to do it. But why is that Faustian though? Because Faustian seems to, to seems to me to to mean making a deal with the devil. So you're making a deal in order to um, achieve a certain, you know, I guess you could say achieve certain heights, but you are making a bargain with something that you know is is wrong, right? Or you know yeah. is bad. Well, it's only only if you view it from a religious perspective. Like if I, I think only if you're a religious person, like say a Christian, then you would view it as negative. But from a philosophical perspective, a lot of people would say that the devil or, or Lucifer, the, the bringer of light, is is a pot could be could be interpreted as a positive figure, right? If if you view God as as this oppressive uh, deity that is trying to keep you down is like the man basically god right so and and then lucifer shows up and and liberates mankind fr from this I don't know, bondage servitude so to speak like prometheus in in, in the greek myth uh, that stole the fire uh, gave it to humanity basically so they can free themselves from the control of the gods or god in, in christian theology i guess uh, yeah, I think that's that's the idea. I see. Okay, yeah. So it's like it's like breaking. Okay, that makes sense. It's like it's it's not necessarily making a deal with the devil. It's more like breaking free from the confines of of God. It's like going further. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Right. Well, the yeah. Well, the emphasis is on mankind, right? So so yeah. mankind can right. Can, the emphasis is on evolve. man man achieving instead of bowing like bowing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, exactly. That's it. Correct. Yeah. So the uh, yeah. Sorry, just to return to 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 Spengler, Decline of the West. So the connection to to Trump is because in the same book, Decline of the West, when he talks about the the decay of Western civilization, he also says that in, in the terminal stage, like in the end stage of a civilization, very often there appear. Uh, what he calls the Caesars, yeah. you know, the, the Caesar figures, like like very dominant personalities who, uh, you know, through the sheer power of their will and motivation, basically lead the people once more to new heights shortly before the fall, basically. And well, my argument is that, that Trump is such a figure, basically. Yes, I mean, whether he wants to be or not, I mean, that's really irrelevant. Right, because like I said, like it's 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 not really about him anymore because he's yeah. it's 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 like the whole Trump movement is so much bigger than him now. It's, it's almost like it functions independently of him. Yes, so people just rally around him and use him as like the the figurehead, so to speak. Yeah. So, but if we're getting so, what is the thesis of your book? Well, the thesis is that Trump is a symbol. Uh, like I, like I stated earlier, that people basically rally around, and he basically triggers all these like uh, instinctual uh, desires or even urges in the common man, in the populace, in the population. Yes, things that basically are always there but are being suppressed by this weird layer of liberalism th that pervades everything now in the West. But deep down, people don't really believe in all that liberal nonsense. Yes, because it is nonsense and you can't possibly really believe it. They think they do, but they don't really. And I would say America is really, uh, well, you know, it's like people say it's really polarized. Yeah, it's it's divided. Yeah. So you have these crazy liberals on one hand, but then you have a lot of conservatives on the other, like in flyover country. Yes. Uh, 
that still cherish like the traditional values that made America great in the past, and that are still sort of celebrated on the surface, but are very often now subverted in the media and, and Hollywood movies. So, and I think Trump wants to bring it back and he, he triggers this in people. Yes. So, but if he's a Caesar figure in the Spanglerian sense, that is sort of a symptom of decline, right? I mean, it's a symptom of death. It's like kind of like a death throes thing. So are you agreeing with that? Are you saying like, you know, this is just basically over and Trump is just a symbol of trying to recapture something that's dead? Or is there anything hopeful to be, you know, is there any like, can we save ourselves? I don't know, you know? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I would say I'm divided also on this. So, so like sometimes I think, yeah, it's what you say. It's like, like the last, I would say the last outcry yeah. Yeah. before the nation croaks, basically. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so maybe, but then on the other hand, sometimes I'm more optimistic. Yes. And, and I think that, yeah, maybe there is hope. Maybe maybe things can be turned around. Yes. I mean, stranger things that happen in history. Yes. So maybe Spengler was wrong. Yes. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not inevitable. Maybe it can be turned around. We'll see, I guess. Well, and also, I mean, actual Caesar, it was still a long time, right? Before Rome completely fell apart. Yeah, yeah. Well, you had several Caesars, right? Before it like was finished and yeah, through yeah, yeah, right. Uh, so it could last. I mean, I'm yeah. Well, looking at America, there is several issues here. Yeah, so um, I think what I was just talking earlier to another American friend of mine. Uh, he's in. He's at the Virginia Military Institute. He's a teacher there, and. Uh, he just told me, like, we're just watching the news, and he said that, well, basically, w w what we're witnessing now, oh, because it was the announcement, I think it was made earlier, uh, that America is planning to withdraw all its troops from Syria. Hmm. Uh, and he's basically saying, it's, the, it's we are basically witnessing the end of Pax Americana, right? So, so, so the, of America as, as a, the only superpower left is basically losing the status right now. And, and I agree. I think it's it's true, which is also touched on in my book. Um, the neocons, of course, or the Democrats, the, uh, the, the globalists, they're, they view this very negatively, right? I mean, the, the loss of America's superpower status in the world. But I would argue that Trump and even the people who follow Trump or people who think in, in the vein of Trump, they would view it as something positive, you know, because... Now we are going from a unipolar world, I mean, a world with one pole, the United States, as the only real superpower. We're moving towards a multipolar world, right, where you have different poles of power. So, so I don't know, you have, you still, well, US will always be a power, of course, right? Uh, it will just not be a hyperpower. It will be a superpower, but among other superpowers in the, in the future, or yeah. actually even, even right now already. Yeah. It's like you have China. Yeah. I know you have the whole Islamic world, you have India, you have Russia. Um, yeah, and then you have Europe, and then you have the US. Um, so, and I think Trump supports this somehow because he keeps saying, make America great again. How do you make America great again? You go back to the isolationist route. You stop being the policeman 
Yeah, we stop being world police, right? That's that's a big part of his his thing is we got to figure out <clears throat> what's going on here first. Um, and I agree. I do hope that that happens. But I also, uh, I guess the the kind of question that I would have next is um, the lens of the West, right? It's like we've seen several mini Trumps. We, we had Bolsonaro, we have Malay, um, and these are very similar figures. I mean, even, uh, you know, weirdly, um, what's his name in Italy was kind of a Trump figure even before. Oh, you mean Salvini? Yes. Or well, so we had Salvini, but even before Salvini, the uh, Berlusconi, ah, Berlusconi. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what happened to Salvini, by the way, Salvini completely disappeared. He was like our guy and then he's gone. Yeah, he so. was sort of, out. yeah. I think he was sort of ousted, you know, but isn't he planning to make a comeback or something? I, I think I read about it somewhere. Not I don't know. Really, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I have, to, I have to read up on it. I have to check. Yeah, well, now you have Maloney, but she's a big disappointment. Because she's ended up being a disappointment, right? She ended up kind of not not coming through. Is that right? Right. Yeah, she didn't follow yeah. through. So anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so, anyway, so you have these other uh, Caesar figures popping up and hyper-nationalists. I mean, I kind of have my own opinion about what's happening, but I guess it's like, it's like, um, where does the West, Western culture, how long, how long has that been happening? I mean, cause you could argue, isn't, isn't the, isn't Rome the West? Like how long has Western culture been a lot around and how long can something like Western culture continue to exist. Like, like what are, when, when do cultures begin and when do they end? If we're viewing them as humans, right. And that's kind of the metaphor here. They live and they die, they get strong and then they get old and, and weak. And, you know, usually it's this kind of leftist instinct where everything bleeds out. You know, it's a, are you familiar with Robert Conquest laws? Uh, no, please enlighten me. So conquest laws are these things. It's a big Yarvin thing. It's a big thing in our world. So Robert Conquest laws, I just wrote a thing about this in American Mind. Or he was a thinker, a conservative thinker, and he has these three laws. The first law is everybody is reactionary or conservative about the thing they know the best. The second law is every institution that is not specifically right wing eventually becomes left wing. And then the mm. third law is the best way to understand the uh, behaviors of any institution is to imagine that it's uh, run or to think that it's run by a cabal of its enemies. So that's a very hard one to understand, that third one. But more or less what he's trying to describe is the way in which institutions rot. It's the way in which institutions age and die over time because they start out as this right-wing reactionary thing that is propped up by very right-wing rules, right? But then over time, they become slowly taken over by weaker people, people that actually have an interest in manipulating this thing that they're against, right? And then right. over time, it becomes, the institution literally becomes run by its enemies. And if you look at what happened to Harvard, right? That's exactly right. what happened to Harvard. Harvard used to be about uh, knowledge and spreading like Christian knowledge, you know, oh, yeah, Today, right. it is literally totally the opposite. It's, it's like, it, it's been hollowed out completely. Wait. Okay. Uh, huh. It's interesting. So 
yeah, but how does this how does this happen? How does it start? Like because it's not just Howard, it's not just the institutions, it's the the entire society that went through this process, right? And, and it's not and and it's all over the West basically, right? I mean, in Europe, it's the same. It's, it's the same Australia, thing. Canada, it's the same thing. So I think it it, it started with with the after the end of World War II, right? I would say so because I mean, like in terms of mentality, like people's mentality in the West, I think pretty much the, the vast majority would be considered conservative, traditionalist, racist today, but in today's terms, like the people that lived like, I don't know, until 1945, then you had a, I would say 45 and then the 50s, the, I think maybe late 50s, then the 60s, 68, student revolution, all that stuff, right? I think, but it all started with, with I think World War II was a trigger, the, the end of World War II. I mean, Nazi Germany lost. Uh, the whole idea of race became completely discredited, right? B because of the Nazis, obviously. Yes. So, I mean, you had the Holocaust. Uh, you had the persecution of different minorities in Nazi Germany. Um, well, then they, yeah, they found the concentration camps and a bunch of documents, everything else. Um so people said, well, this is what racism leads to, right? It leads to genocide, the extermination of entire peoples. So it's not a good thing. We have to move away from this. Um, but of course, it didn't happen overnight, yeah? Because, I mean, you still had segregation and, and in, in the US, right? Even after World War II. So you still had discrimination, but but it was, it was already on the decline. It, it, it wasn't as widely accepted anymore, I would say. Yes, because of this revelations of what the Nazis did in World War II. And from there, I would say it was a slippery slope, as people say. Yes, uh, it was like it opened the gates to, to this to these new liberal ideas, I would say. Yeah. And we have the Civil Rights Act, right? That's a yeah, big yeah, thing here in America. We have the Civil yeah. Rights Act. And yeah, that's where you really see that. And I, I truly believe this. That's that is really the moment where. <clears throat> the United States stopped being spiritually what it, what it was founded to be, you know, it started to be more of a socialist. Well, it was basically a white society. So, a, a socialist Republic for white people, basically. I mean, that, that's really what it was. I mean, if you look at the founding fathers, that's what, I mean, that's what they envision. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really hard to deny. Yeah. Um, sure. Sure. So, and it was like this, I mean, if you look at the, well, you know, the, in 1965, the Immigration Act, like everything changed. Yeah. Right? So yeah before yeah. that, it was, it was mostly Europeans that were allowed to, 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 to immigrate into the U.S. Well, I mean, there really wasn't, I, I think, you know, you look back and look at the Ellis Island days, right? There's very few immigration rules. You know, there it's not, it's not really that hard. It's, you know, you basically show up, if you can survive for a couple of years, you get naturalized. But there's also yeah, but no welfare state. You know, there's no, it's not, it's much more like, hey, come on, give it a try here, but we're but they, not going to like help you very much, you know? Yeah, but they did, they did have a quota system though. Like, yeah, they like, had some kind like, of system. Like right? Stoddard, like, yeah. you know, you know, Lothrop Stoddard, the, the, uh, he's an American writer. It's like a racialist writer. He he wrote in the 1920s in, in the, the Fitzgerald novel, The Great Gatsby, they make fun of him. Right, because the Fitzgerald was a liberal, I guess, in the twenties, and Stoddard was not. Um, uh, 
The Rising Tide of Color, that's his most famous book. Uh, and that was written 1920 something, don't know the exact year. But um, well, he, he describes like this quota system of the Chinese, right? Because there were too many Chinese people coming in. Oh, okay. So, the, yeah, so, yeah. They, so, so, they, so they started restricting it, basically. Literally said, only such and such a number of Chinese are allowed to, to, to immigrate. So, yeah. so that was the quota system. And, and that's in 1965. That's what they got rid of was the quota system, basically. Oh, and that's, so that's what the Immigration Act was getting rid of was the quota system. So there was yeah. no more quotas after that. Yeah, because before that, there was like a certain percentage has to be of, I don't know, no, I don't know European ancestry or certain percentage of this. Uh, but that all disappeared in 65. And now, like, I would say it's the complete opposite, right? Now, the vast majority of immigrants are non-Europeans, I would say. I mean, talking about legal immigrants here. Yeah, right, right, right. They're from like, I don't know, India, I suppose, a lot of them, China, right? Yeah. Very few from Europe, I would say. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, and that's a little bit what's funny about what's happening, right? It's like, it's like, what can possibly be done about this? It's It's really like, you can understand the mind of the liberal because they're sitting around thinking, well... My, you know, uh, th this person, uh, the Czechs came here, the Jews came here, the the Irish came here, the Italians. What's so different? You know, what's so different about the the whatchamacallit? So it's yeah. like in their head. That's why it's such a liberalism is such a powerful brain problem because it's like, <laughs> you know, like 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 <laughs> it's, brain problem. People people love fairness, right? People are right. attracted to fairness, like yeah. naturally. So they they yeah. think in their head. Well, that doesn't seem fair that they wouldn't be allowed to come, right? Yeah, but it's but I mean the difference is pretty obvious though, right? I mean, you even said it, like like the Irish were allowed, the Jews were allowed, the Germans, the French. Why shouldn't I don't know the, the Asians and the Africans be allowed? But the difference is is quite clear, right? I mean, in, in to, to the people back then in power, the people in charge of US immigration policy, the difference was also clear because the Irish, the Jews, the Germans, the French, they were much easier to assimilate because they were all Europeans, basically. Yeah. I mean, that was, well, I mean, that was they, the idea. Right. They were easier to assimilate for that reason. And also, I think just the world is so much smaller now. Like, <clears throat> you know, you most of these illegal immigrants, they're coming from subsistence farming communities deep in South America. There is no money at all. They're sending every dollar they get down there because any dollar those people have is is a huge difference, right? They get $6 down in El Salvador. That's going to be a yeah, big, yeah, huge right. deal. So it's like, it's not even about race. It's just about the if, if you're going to allow all those people to come here and then send all of their money away, you know, it's completely, it's just untenable. You can't, you can't survive as a society that way, you know, whereas that, that, you know, that's not what the Irish were doing when they were coming here. I mean, they weren't coming here so they could send money back to Ireland. They were coming here to, start a new life here right no I, I completely agree with you and i don't think it's only i don't think it's only about race I, like absolutely not yeah right yeah. like it, no it, it is it, about it, race too though yeah i agree well, with it's partly about race but it's 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 not all about race right i mean the, the, yeah the, the i mean economic issues are, are very important uh because like i don't know if you look at germany for example i don't i don't know the exact number but it's like some I don't know, 30 billion euros or something per year they spend on, I don't know, refugees, uh, like an ungodly sum. Um, 
like like and and more and more are coming like it's not stopping they're not closing the borders they're still letting them in and and, and i mean you don't have to be like like a math genius to know that it, it, it's not sustainable right yeah. from a purely economic point of view i mean you have certain people at work i don't know they pay taxes you use these taxes i don't know to, to build roads hospitals schools and also to feed refugees and house refugees, massive numbers, a growing number. And, and, and most of these people, they don't put any money into the system. Most of these people don't work even. Yes. So, but they take a lot of money out of the system because they immediately use the healthcare. They immediately, I mean, they come from Africa, from Asia. They immediately go to the dentist. They immediately go to, to expensive doctors, get expensive procedures done, all at the taxpayer's expense. Um and, and how is that sustainable? I don't understand. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's just so crazy when you talk to liberals. Like, like they say, yeah, yeah, but but it's it's diversity. I mean, they're enriching our society, but but they're not because you see the statistics, and 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 most of them do not work. And and I mean, you have this big immigrant crisis in Germany in 2015 when Merkel let in like I don't know one or two million, and I think like 70 percent or at least the majority of them. Of those people that came like almost 10 years ago are still not working yes <laughs> so how how is this sustainable it's not it, it's so i mean why, it's just so why why can't they see that you know like why can't that's what i don't Angela merkel like she's a smart woman like how can she not understand this is is my question yeah it's mind-boggling i, I cannot i cannot <laughs> right it, it, it just boggles the mind i don't under i, I don't understand like like but in the U.S., it's the same. Like, like yeah, you, totally. You have, I, I see these videos, uh, like Eagle Pass, Texas. Yeah, like just wow. <laughs> yeah, it's no, like, it's unbelievable. It boggles the mind. It's just so crazy. And and how can anybody support this? Like, why why do people think that's a good thing? Like, because what's going to happen is, I mean, it's just my own prediction, I guess. Well, other people's too, I suppose. Uh, I mean, okay, it's it's not going to stop anytime soon. Well, if, if Trump loses, it, it'll never stop. I'll just keep coming. And then eventually the U.S. will look like one of the, one of the countries south of the border, right? Because, I mean, it, because economically speaking, it's not, there's no other way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is like a what can go wrong will go wrong thing, right? I mean, I think I think part of it is that it's like we're witnessing chaos because the immune system that we once had that would have prevented something like this is gone, largely for the th reason I think you said. I mean, the Nazis kind of, you know, had the exact opposite impact that they wanted to have, which was they completely scared everybody away from yeah, this yeah. thinking, Absolutely. you know, forever. And so it made it so that now you can't be, you know, you can't even talk about this stuff. No, you cannot being, because, because you're a Nazi. If you're you're automatically a Nazi. a Nazi if you do. Yeah, right. And because they overdid it, like, you know, yeah. to put it mildly, right? <laughs> because, because racialism itself, I, I'm not, I'm, I know, I'm, these days I'm, neither an advocate nor, nor really anti-racialist yeah? yeah yeah so yeah. i'm just i'm just stating it uh as a matter of fact like in the 1920s 1930s 1940s even united states was acceptable in the mainstream like very being exactly. a, oh totally the, exactly. the, the, yeah. the mainstream the majority was racialist and not not well racist even i would say yeah yeah 
And, and like these people, like Madison Grant, uh, Lothrop Stoddard, these are very famous uh, American writers on race, uh, racial issues, quote unquote, white supremacists, basically. Yes. And, and even the Nazis were influenced by Hitler talked about them all the time. Yes. So, so the Nazis just love these people, the, these American like ra racial writers. Yeah. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft, my God, like stuff he wrote. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But completely, I mean, even extreme for his times, I would say, some of this. Well, stuff I mean, you know, the, but, um, the first great movie in American history is uh, Birth of a Nation, of which, course, which well, is see. entirely a racist. I mean, the oh, entire absolutely. point is that the Klan are heroic. Yeah, yeah. And then the they're thing. stopping <laughs> the, you know, the, the horde of uh, black people from destroying exactly. democracy. It's not even destroying culture it's literally destroying democracy that that movie right. ends with <clears throat> black people trying to go vote and clansmen stop them from voting <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's wow, literally yeah. what that's literally like what that the entire point of that movie is that like it, democracy can't survive unless it's all white people <laughs> yeah, yeah but the argument the, the argument well yeah. the argument can be made that it's true though Yes. Sure, sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying democracy can only work if everybody's white, but uh, the argument can be made: democracy really only works in a hom homogenous society, well, whether white or society, or black. How about or an age, educated right? society? How about an all male society? I mean, certainly the founding fathers didn't expect that every single person was going to be voting. They, 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 that's not how they, that's Obviously, not how they thought men, about it. Men, you know? men, not, not, on, not even every man, like only, yeah. I would say, yeah. only men with property because they right. had some, you know, at stake basically. Exactly. So, like democracy, can, it's true. Democracy cannot work if you talk to any woman about this, the, the first thing you'll say is that like, oh, you, you, you make some comment about, oh, you know, women shouldn't vote. They get really mad at first, and then you say to them, "You say to them, okay, haha, I'm just kidding." But seriously, do you know <laughs> anything about any of these candidates? Like, do you actually know anything about any of these people? And they'll usually be like, "Well, no, not really." <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like so, so, and that's the average voter—not even man or woman. I was just gonna say, it's not you know, just women. It's not just women. It's right, man or woman. They they don't know shit about any of this stuff. So this is where you know Moldbug and Curtis Yarvin tends to be right because it's like, how can you expect to run a society in any type of functional way when you're having to? play this game of complete idiocy all the time it's it, it doesn't it really doesn't make any sense no it doesn't it doesn't and i'm not even sure democracy is a good idea sometimes right like, exactly like, like, what, what's even so great about it right uh, because i can see the results of democracy in, in all the countries in europe in the u.s i mean this is democracy but i don't see anything really positive about it no right yeah, because yeah. The, the main problem is like you said like most people don't know shit about the candidates and most i would even go further i would even say that most people don't even know what's good for them right yeah, they need right. To, they need to be told what's good for them because they don't know yeah. right and you can see it well let's say well let's look at germany right so now you have uh the afd the alternative for germany i would say is like the, literally the only opposition party like the only party that is opposed to this crazy immigration stuff the total globalist takeover right, right? Yeah. Uh, so now in in the polls in the latest poll it's it's at about 20 percent approval 
rating, right? So so I would say so 20% of, of people eligible to vote in Germany uh, would consider voting for the AFD if elections were held today. Yes. So, I mean, it's very high, 20%, because the number was like less than 10%, like, like less than a year ago. So, and it's growing steadily. I mean, because I guess people see the results of, of the established parties' policies on the streets, yeah, and and they don't they don't very much like it, uh, and I think this is why it's rising. I mean, the, the approval for the AFD. So now it's at twenty percent, but then at the same time, I mean, it's 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 an impressive number, twenty percent. But then you also have to consider eighty percent just love the way things are apparently yeah, right. it's like it's like but but, but how how, like, how who are these they? people like who yeah. are they I, that it's sitting around and being like this is working right. but, like, but yeah. how, how how can you possibly like this is this not even i i just it, i cannot even comprehend like how can you walk around in a big city in germany in the center look around you at the total decay and degeneracy and, and say, wow, that's great. I'm going to vote for the same parties to, to keep this state of affairs. You know, I just yeah. love it. Right. It's just so bizarre. And, so and that's why I'm saying, and that's democracy. And that's why I'm saying people don't know what's good for them because this is not good for anybody in this society, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, it really is, uh, it really is crazy how, have you ever seen one of the maps of the United States, like if different races voted and different, et cetera? I have. Yeah, or races or genders, whatever. I have. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I saw the, I saw the Trump map. Like if, if, if only men voted in, in the oh, only married people, election. only it's, right. it's everything that would indicate any kind of responsibility Right. <laughs> it is it's all, you know, it's all or, or higher levels of, although I will say uh, education now, is the reverse. Now education goes to the left, right? Where it's like the more uneducated vote for Trump. So that's like a little bit of a wrinkle. It's not entirely about like how much schooling you've got, right? But the really crazy one is single women, single educated women. It's it, it, he loses them by 40 points. So the, it's think, like yeah. it's the biggest swing you've ever seen in your entire life. So basically, if that group of single educated women didn't vote, the, the Republicans would win every election. It, like there would be no competition at all. Yet you have this one group of educated single women who are voting, <clears throat> you know, uh, not even 60, 40. It's like 80, 20. Wow. There is so far for the left that it makes it impossible unless you get through to that group somehow, which clearly somebody needs to do, it's all virtually impossible to win an election. So, but the, the, the question is still that, but, but then we, we should ask, why does this group vote the way it does? Well, like, like, what are the reasons? I think that, um, so they're very educated, right? So, there's two ways to view education. One way is you're getting smarter. The other way is you're getting more indoctrinated. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's like, no, I think that's it's what right. education is. So yeah, I think they're yeah. indoctrinated with hardcore liberalism. Obviously. They are careerists. You know, they're people who uh, have been sold this idea of feminism of, of, you know, your job is to go work for a company and be an equal as a man in every way. Um, but they haven't had kids yet, so they don't understand like the sort of primal responsibility of of being, you know, once you have kids, it's 
you really your whole perspective kind of changes over the responsibility for your culture and safety yeah, and right. all this stuff. So they're just living in kind of a fantasy world, basically. Like you know? yes. Yeah, Literal they're living bubble. in like a bubble of, of hedonism. You know, they're all on SSRIs. They're on birth control. They're on, you know, they're drinking 15 coffees a day. Uh, you know, they, they're they're very drugged up on a lot of stuff. So, you know, I think that that's why. Yeah, it makes sense. I completely agree. Um, right. I think I think the same is true of the men or even married men that, that vote for liberal candidates. Yes. Right. I mean, it's it's well, it's obviously the indoctrination, right? Because it, I mean, it's it's like, well, it's all pervasive. And I, well, I mentioned this in my book, basically, like if you look at George Orwell, the party Ministry of Truth, 1984, we're living in it. It's, it's just yeah. we're literally living in 1984. We're living in the novel. Yeah, uh, it is like it's I was just discussing it uh, this morning. I, I was talking with Roy. I don't know if you know Roy. Ignatius. I do know Roy. He's been on here yeah. a few times. Yeah, I know. Roy. Yeah, I, I, I did a podcast with him this morning and uh, oh, nice. we're discussing it. Um, well, it's, it's in the book, too. So. So you have Netflix, right? So, so you have Netflix producing a series where you have like, I know, like 19th century Victorian England, London, yeah. and, and half the population is black or Asian with, with, with a black, with a black queen of England and so on. I mean, okay, I mean, okay, it's entertainment, it's harmless entertainment, but 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 like, but like they don't say it's like a parallel universe or something, and and young people watch it, yeah, and 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 they will believe. This is the way England was a hundred yeah. years ago. This yeah. is the it's it's just like the England today. There's no difference. It's the same, right? <laughs> so so wh why are these crazy Nazis resisting this? It's always been like this. They're yeah. crazy. Yeah. Why are they doing this? They're hateful. You know, yeah. so, I mean, th these people have been part of our British British history for I don't know thousands of years, even yeah. you know, yeah. because you have. The, I mean, I've seen these new texts. I, I saw a text text the other day that said. It was like one of these propaganda movies, and it was like Poland wouldn't exist without Africans. <laughs> yeah, something, something like, like this. What? You know, like, yeah, I don't I'm know why. Sure, Poland would have existed uh, without Africans, one way or another. Yeah, but they're yeah. pushing this narrative now. They're pushing this yeah. multicultural narrative, and 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 they're not only pushing it today. They're 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 even like pushing it onto the past, on on onto the people's past. Uh, and, and which is very 1984 because his totally, job it's, in 1984 it's like, it's is like, to, is to edit the past, right? Yeah, and yeah, because because there's like these two continents in 1984. I think it's Oceania, Oceania, and Eurasia, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, and it's like it's like Oceania was always at war with Eurasia. Yeah, <laughs> right. So yeah. London, London's always been multicultural. Yeah, and he has to go back and edit the predictions, right? So, like, right. they can never get a prediction wrong. So, like, the state predicts things, and then it's right. wrong. And then he has to go back and make it so they predicted what actually yeah, happened. Exactly what, yeah. 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 Yeah, the, the whole fact-checking thing really is oh very God. 1984, right. you know? It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, everything is 1984. Like, like well, in America, not so much. In Europe even more so because here you have these weird speech laws that you don't have in the US yet, right? Hopefully you'll never get them. Uh, but like Germany, France, Canada, even your northern neighbor has them, right? So so you you cannot say what you really think, yes, because you have to be afraid that the, the government will, will, will knock on your door. Uh, and just for like commenting on posts on I don't know, Facebook or Twitter or something, or even liking posts, yes, it, it, it's illegal. Right, like if there's a person really says even liking, yeah, liking. yeah, yeah, yeah. People have been fined or charged for even liking 
posts yes that say or state certain things that the government deems illegal to say or state yes um yeah it's just it's just really crazy yeah uh, and the, and, the, yeah. and what really i mean i'm not even a i'm not even a big free speech advocate right i'm not even saying free speech is a good thing right so i mean i would even say that if i was in power i would probably also restrict speech possibly yes what what i don't like is the, is the hypocrisy right when, when these liberals or these democrats always say oh, we have freedom of speech you can say everything you want except <laughs> but that's crazy man yeah contradiction in in in, in the, it's like a total oxymoron you cannot say we are freedom of speech and have a comma except and have a list of things you can't say because then you don't have freedom of speech obviously right, right? so, so how would you honest, respect mm -hmm. how would you restrict it if you were if you if you were in control how would you restrict speech yeah, it's very difficult to say i don't know i don't even know yet since i'm not in power yet i'd have to think about it yeah <laughs> maybe i wouldn't maybe i would you know like because I mean, we are in the predicament we are now talking about the West. It's because we are quite liberal with speech after World War II, yeah? So in Western Europe, um, because people were allowed to say what they wanted. So, so the liberals, the leftists were able to get into positions of power, right? And and, and spreading their propaganda, spreading their ideas, what yeah. boys are called, the, the march through the institutions. Yes? And they were yeah. quite successful. Yes. So, so they're, they're everywhere. I mean, they started strategically, basically, like getting into positions of power in, in academia, in the media, politics. And, and that's where they are now. Yes. So it was not the case in, in Eastern Europe for obvious reasons. Yes. Uh, communist socialist Europe uh, was always very conservative and and and. I would even say traditional, even though it was communist. And this is what a lot of people from the right, like right-wing people, don't understand because they say, ah, the Soviet Union is like some stupid communists, they were evil, and, and communists want to destroy everything. But it's not the case, though, because if if you look at, the, uh, at what was once the Soviet Union or what once were communist or socialist countries in Eastern Europe, like Hungary or Poland or even East Germany, right, I mean, the people there today, even today, like 20 years after the fall of communism, are still more conservative and traditionalist-minded than people in Western Europe. And I think it is not in spite of communism. I think it's because of the communist system. Oh, that's an right? interesting, that's a very interesting mm -hmm. point. So explain that a little bit. Like why, I know exactly what you're saying is, what you're saying is that, yeah, like the values of Western Europe are very liberal. The values of people in Eastern Europe are actually quite traditional, right? They, like yes, that's absolutely. kind of what you're saying. And Definitely. you're saying that actually what you would think is that given that Eastern Europe was dominated by communism, they would be more liberal because they'd be further left. But in fact, they're more traditional. That's a very, very good point. And it's very fascinating. So why? Yeah, explain why that is in, with regard well, to communism. Well, because, because it was a different type of communism, right? Because when people think of communism now, like in the U.S., contemporary America, they they, they picture like, I don't know, purple-haired women with, with like Antifa posters, you know, like toppling statues and, uh, I don't know, participating in Black Lives Matter riots, demonstrations. Uh, I would say in the Soviet Union or, or, I don't know, East Germany during socialist times, I mean, nominally, there were socialist communist societies uh 
and they did they did follow i would say socialist principles like from an economic point of view but from a social point of view i would say yes that they were i would say economically socialist but but um socially very conservative right because they actually cared about the workers meaning the majority of the population and the workers even the workers today they're usually more conservative than students or well, say, but but didn't the didn't yes. the, the but didn't the communists go to extreme lengths to wipe out religion uh, to wipe yeah. out christianity yeah but okay so i think you have to diff i think you have to look at the different stages of communism like after the bolshevik revolution of course the, the, they tried to topple religion they tried to install all kinds of crazy stuff like uh, sexual liberation stuff but i think with the rise of stalin he got basically got rid of all that and i know criminalized homosexuality again uh valued the family had realist art instead of that abstract stuff you know like socialist realism almost classical architecture uh studied the classics in school of course religion was always a bit i would say suppressed because they valued atheism but at the same time uh just like i don't know in in, in terms of civic mindedness the people were a, a lean more towards conservatism yes uh because even like if you look at the movies or or the literature written in the soviet period like we have a lot of like history movies about I don't know, like the war against Napoleon, movies based on Russian fairy tales, like, I know, adaptations of Pushkin stuff and Tolstoy stuff. So, I mean, they did value the classics. Uh, and they, and they, I would say the average Soviet person or a person growing up in a socialist country was much more classically educated than people today. Yes, in my opinion. Um because also you didn't have the immigration policies that you had in the West, yeah, which I suppose like in, in Europe and the US already started in the 70s and 80s, like large scale, I mean, in Europe, non-European immigration, yes, uh, started peopling the streets. Uh, in Eastern Europe, you didn't have this gay pride stuff because it was basically criminalized homosexuality because it was considered antisocial because it was a socialist state. So, so aberrations were not tolerated, like even like the punks or something in East Germany were routinely locked up um, for this particular reason. You have to basically conform to the socialist norm, which was inherently conservative, I would say. So, and you had, and, and you had uh, protection from the state, like, I don't know, you, you didn't have to worry about your job or... I don't know housing or, or your future too much like because people today in the capitalist west there i mean not all people but a lot of people i would even say most people are constantly stressed out right because of money issues like yeah. i don't have enough money now to pay this bill to pay that bill my children's education the car the house the mortgage everything yeah i mean it's largely fake that that worry is largely not real and and you realize um and that's that is increasingly because of the left in in America it's it really is um like you notice that a poor person views money like water they, they right. think that when the the water runs out they're going to die or you know like they, they they get very afraid of running out of money but in reality the people who are the richest in America have gone bankrupt 25 times. You know, it's a, it, they just know how to view money in a different way. It's kind of a different mentality, you know? 
But that's largely because of the rise of the left here. It's basically impossible to fail in America now, especially in a place like California, where there is just endless layers of institutional help. There's so many safety nets all along the way, right? Which you could say is a good thing, but you could also say it's not America. You know, that's not what America is. Amer the whole point of America is that it's sink or swim, right? It's like you got to right, yeah. do it yourself. Pull yourself up by, your, yeah, by the right. bootstrap. Yeah. And, and, and that kind of freedom is like what we do here. You know, I mean, I think that that's, that's, uh, that's a little bit of like the tension at the core of America. But I think the point you're making about Eastern Europe is so fascinating and how, it, in a way, communism is actually a quite much more of a traditional conservative type of life that requires a lot more conformity, um, at least economic communism. I think that what's happened to the West is you have race communism. You know, you have race Marxism. Yeah, but that's not right. But that's, just, but, 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 but that's just liberalism. It has nothing to do with communism, though, because right. not, yes. Karl Marx right. never yeah. never wanted what's happening now. I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's just it's a misnomer. It's not it's not a not a correct term like cultural Marxism because cultural really, Marxism is fake. It's like a, it's like yeah. an oxymoron. It's exactly an, because yeah, there's yeah. nothing Marxist about it at all. Right. And there's nothing that and when people say this, like, I mean, even Trump, when, when he complains about the, the communists, but which communists is he talking about? Like, I mean, there are no real communists in the US that are actually a threat. Right. I mean, you have these, these purple haired people. Uh, toppling the statues, the Antifa, but they're not communists, you know, I mean, they call themselves communists sometimes, I suppose. But they probably would have ended up in the gulag if if they if they had done this in the Soviet Union what they're doing now in the US. Yeah, right. Like, this is a great point. We I this is a very 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 good point because and I look I'm just as guilty of this as everybody and I'm I'm glad I'm talking to you because I say this all the time, you know, the communists but in reality what you're what you're saying is the real living breathing communism is actually totally not the pink-haired Antifa member who's really an individualist at heart fully. Exactly. Yeah, yeah right. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pure yeah. liberalism, in my right. opinion. Yeah, I mean, you can, you, can, you, well, you can look at North Korea, I would say the only the only really surviving, like, hardcore... Well, uh, have you been Cuba? Cuba is kind yeah, of... Yeah, but... Yeah, I know, but I'm not... I'm, I'm talking about the really hardcore, like... like, like it's Stalin, pre have you Stalin, been there to Cuba? Communism. I have not, but I would like to go. It's like... It it is very communist. It's not. Been, it's like North Korea. Yeah. It's not. Everything is hyper controlled. There's right. no. Uh, Cuba's terrible. It's horrible. It's have it's, you been, it's have yeah. You been I've been. I've been. Yeah. Oh, okay. And it's it's right. not at all what people think. Like people think huh. you get there and it's like this Caribbean. It is. <laughs> it is. Exactly it's like <laughs> no. It's like North Korea. It's like everything right. is hyper controlled. There's no life. There's no street life. Hmm. It, there's no. There's bread lines everywhere. Um, it's terrible. Cuba is a horrible place. Right. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I can't say I've never been, to be honest. <laughs> I'd like to go, though, yeah. just to check it out. Uh, well, North Korea is a leader cult, right? So so it's like a, like a Stalinist society, like a classical Stalinist society with, 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 with uh, well, personality cult. Um, yeah. But some people say that, that North Korea is even... I would say almost like a national socialist state, like it's like a Prussian state, 
where the military is valued above everything else, like in Prussia back yeah. then. Yeah. Yes. So, so this was like pre World War II Prussia, right? That's that's where Hitler got all his well, ideas pre- from. Was the well, that's what they say, right? That yeah. The Prussian military tradition. Right. Uh, yeah, because like the military had like the, the highest highest place in society, I suppose, in Prussia. Yeah. But at the same time, all the liberal reforms and and, and workers' rights and and even women's rights and 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 I know, other rights were were like a lot of them were pioneered in Prussia at the same time. Hmm. So interestingly enough, um, under Bismarck, um, yeah. So, but like I said, like North Korea, very very traditionalist. Like from what I, from what I read, the books I read about North Korea, I mean, much more Korean than South Korea. Us, which is completely Americanized, yes, or Westernized. Yeah, it's a great point. You're right, Korea. It's not like you'd be a blue-haired freak in Korea, North Korea, at all. You know that wouldn't work. Uh, yeah. So I guess well, the reason why we say that, why we say race Marxism or or cultural Marxism or you know that damn communist, you know, I, I think we say that because it's like a resentment based worldview, you know, that's driving those people. Like it's pretty much like those people are mad at the fact that other people are successful. So therefore their response is to just tear it all down. So I think that that's what we're, and it is, it is quite similar to be fair to the cultural revolution in China. They they are, they're like cultural revolutionaries in that sense. No, yeah, I, I, yeah, I see the similarities. I understand. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. So I think that's why we say that. But I think you're right that it's like in actual reality, they're not. They would not want anything to do with real communism. Like they would, they would hate it. They would not be able to deal with it at all. You know. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, well, that's why you have these funny memes, right? When when like people like uh, I'm I'm fighting for the for the communist revolution, like while. I know eating a cheeseburger at McDonald's, you know, yeah, with, yeah. you know, yeah. these memes, yeah. So at right. Starbucks, whatever. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but that's like the, I don't know, like the, the homogenizing nature of globalism right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, Starbucks culture, McDonald's culture. Yes. Yeah. So what do you call that then? What, what do you call the culture that the globalists want, which is this kind of. Well, it's, it's liberal capitalism. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. quite clear. I mean, capitalism, I mean, Alain de Benoit, French, French philosopher from the right. Um, what did he write again? Oh, I don't know. He wrote tons of books uh, about it. He had a very, uh, hold on. Um, he's not camp. Of he, the, the, the religion of human rights is one uh, of them when he, when yeah, he argues yeah. against like the whole idea of human rights. But he had a very famous quote. Actually, he had two, two famous quotes. One of them I like. The second one is a bit, eh. Right. So so the first one, I, I, I have to paraphrase. I don't know the exact quote. He basically said that um, uh, people, people who criticize uh, immigration but are silent about capitalism have no right to criticize immigration, basically, arguing that basically capitalism is, a, is, is the root cause of, of all this uncontrolled, unchecked immigration, which, in my opinion, is absolutely true. Right. No, no, no matter how you want to put it. I mean, it's it's factually true. It's not even an argument, in my opinion, right? Because uh, of labor. You mean because of labor costs? Obviously, yeah. right? Um, and No uh, borders second... is good for business. Of, of, yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So, and, and the second quote is something like, 
uh, what he said, oh yeah, uh, it's really silly, but I'll tell you anyway. He said, he said, I would prefer, and he said this during the Cold War, like in the 1980s or 70s even, he said that I would prefer to wear the helmet of a Red Army soldier than, I don't know, e eating a hamburger in Brooklyn. Or something. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, yeah, but no, that's silly. I don't know. I, I, I think I would prefer eating a burger in Brooklyn myself. Uh, yeah. Was, yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, I know what he was saying, but he was basically saying what, I, what I've been saying with, with like, like the, the, the according to him, and that was during the Cold War. The, the, I mean, the Soviet Union was not ideal. It was still sort of like the enemy of the right, but it was preferable to the to the decadent liberal West. Yeah. And you have, lots, I mean, there are several people on the right who thought this way. Like like Francis Parker Yockey is another one, the the American fascist guy. Um, he he said the same thing, right? He said, well, the Soviet Union, we fought against the Soviet Union because it was the enemy and it still is sort of like an ideological enemy. But from a from a purely social point of view, it's it's preferable to, yeah. to the capitalist West. I you know, know, there was this moment in, in uh, Jewish history in like the history of like fundamentalist, you know, Hasidic Judaism. The, the beginning of Hasidic Judaism was in Russia and... Uh, so that was like the heart of global Ju Judaism. You know, this is way before Israel. It was all <laughs> the Russian rabbi was like in charge of global Judaism. And right. uh, they had this issue with the rise of Napoleon. Right. So in Russia at that time, Jews were they were not allowed to do a bunch of different stuff. Right. They were very kept separate. Right. They Absolutely. weren't allowed to hold various things. Yeah, yeah. But they were totally allowed to practice their religion. They like they right. were like just practice your religion over here. You can't have certain jobs, but right. you know, you can do whatever you want over here. Whereas th then Napoleon came and Napoleon tried to make a deal with that rabbi to turn mm. against Russia right. and to help him. And Napoleon was like, Look, you Jews can be anything in my world, you know, you can do whatever you want. Like you can hold any any power, you can do any job. And the rabbi had to decide, do we go with Napoleon or do we go with the uh, the Russian, you know, the czar, the czar. At the right, time. right, right. And uh, the, 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 the head of Judaism chose the czar because he said, you know, Napoleon will be good for our bodies, but bad for our souls. Mm. The czar is bad for our bodies, but he's good for our souls. <laughs> Right. Soul is more important than the body. You know, because yeah. because as you're saying, liberalism, the force of liberalism has the power to destroy everything. It can take down every tradition. It can destroy everything and just replace it with what? Hedonism, basically. Exactly. You know, like right. eating the burger and you know, injecting the the hormones, whatever. Right. It's, which is completely destructive to anything spiritual or traditional at all. Exactly. No, absolutely true. Right. Um yeah, but then, okay, the, talking about the Jews in Russia, it's quite interesting. Uh, well, the story you just told. Um, I was not aware of this, by the way. Uh, very good. Learn something new. Um, well, a lot of people argue, like, you have these conspiracy theories, you know, like, the, the, I don't know, the, the Jewish Bolshevism, they call it. You know, like, the, the Jews, they, 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 they started the revolution in Russia. The Jews, are, they, they masterminded it uh, to bring down uh, traditional Russia, to destroy Christian Russia, basically. I mean, that, that, that's the conspiracy theory, right? I'm sure you're familiar with it. I, I, don't, I don't believe in this conspiracy theory myself. I think it's total bullshit. 
right? Because if you look at the statistics, right, the, the majority of people like in charge, even, even in the early days, I mean, they were not Jewish, they were ethnic Russians. They were actually in charge of the revolution. It was a Russian revolution with mostly Russians in charge. You had a lot of Jews. That, I mean, I mean, uh, compared to the Jewish population, they were sort of overrepresented uh, in, in the in the Bolshevik leadership, but the Latvians right. were as well. But you never say it's it's Latvian. <laughs> it's the damn Latvian conspiracy, right? <laughs> and 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 I think the reason, which goes against uh, to what you were just telling me about, uh, I mean, the story with Napoleon and the Jews. I think the reason why so many Jews joined the Bolsheviks. Uh, it's because they were discriminated against um, in Tsarist Russia, and and they viewed it as sort of like a, a liberation for them. So right. I think that they joined the, the the Bolshevik cause to liberate the Jews uh, from discrimination, basically. Yes, sure. and and not because they wanted to enslave or destroy Christian Russia. It's just uh, no, it's not true. I I don't believe it. Well, and I mean, Jews are always in <clears throat> Jews without religion generally join these political movements. You know, I, I don't know how many Bolsheviks were religious Jews, probably very few. Yeah, I, very I would few, imagine. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would say almost none. Right? So there's always been this split, you know, and there's this split today. It's like, you know, you have the highway here is being shut down by leftist Jews who with a you know saying go Hamas they're the ones doing the whole anti you know protest and then of course you have the religious ones who are completely the other direction so you know this has always been kind of a thing but um, yeah, obviously but but then the Jews are no different than anybody else so so my question is what why, why do people single out the Jews as a group well because right? I mean, there's various reasons. Look, I'm I'm uh, Jewish myself. I'm right. I'm uh, I mean, I'm I'm half. My father's not Jewish. My mother is Jewish, but I do identify now as a, a Jewish person. I didn't always. Right. I was I was very self-hating for a very long time. Really? So I okay. uh, yeah, very so you know I so I totally understand these uh, conspiracy theories. I understand why people say these things and why they question. And you know, my thing. I believe that the way that all this is cured is just by allowing people to talk about it. You know, I think that that uh, you have to be able to criticize, you have to be able to raise these issues. I mean, the, the worst thing for the groipers, you know, who are these young guys no, I, who, who follow right. Fuentes and stuff, right. you know, these guys are completely obsessed with with Jewish everything. You know, they know more about the Talmud than, than most Jews, way more than yeah, most okay. Jews. And but then the problem is they start talking about it and then they get immediately uh, thrown out of whatever they're in. And that drives them insane because then they're like, why can't I talk about this? I can you know, I can talk about anything else. Why can't I talk about the Jews? That goes to show, you know, uh, that that I'm correct. So I get that. Like, I, I really do understand that fury and that anger. And you should be able to point out, look, Jews are have way more power. Than, than they, you know, the, than their per capita population. And that's true. Yeah, but, you know, no, I, I know it's true, but, yeah, but, yeah. but then, but then, but then, 
but what are the reasons though i think i think yeah. or in my opinion the reasons why why the jews are overrepresented in in positions of power is because of the because of the iq right because the average jewish iq is much higher than say even the average european iq sure so yeah because you have like uh, philip russian i think did, did the iq studies yeah so yeah. so the average european iq in the us the, the Euro european american iq was like 100 and the, the average ashkenazi uh, Jewish IQ is 120. Uh, right? yeah. and I, I totally believe it. Right? I think that's part of it. I mean, I think oh, there's I, a lot of reason. I, I think there's a lot of reasons. It's not it's not just pure IQ. You know, there's other people oh, with right. high IQs. It's there's a lot of different reasons for it. I do think that I mean, you know, I have a Jewish soul, right? So I can I can report on this accurately. There is something about the Jewish soul, you know, like as as my rabbis, have, not my current rabbi, but previous rabbis have said, there's nothing more dangerous to the world than a Jewish soul without religion. <laughs> mm. And I, I don't know if that's 100% true, but there is something, I will say there is a certain drive that uh, Jewish people have to be involved in like the, the power like the gears of power, you know, like we have this like insatiable drive to, to have status and to, to have these things. And I don't know why that is. I, I think, I think it could be evolutionary just simply being shaved down so many times. Right. I mean, like you, you, when you get, when you get all cold, we've just been cold as a population so many times over history that you right. kind of get left with your most ambitious ones, I guess that, that could be part of it. I don't know. You know, I, I don't have the answer, but it is, uh, it is, a, you know, it's a fact of life that, uh, that Jews have these, you know, they're, they're outsized in power and, you know, there's a lot of different reasons for it, I guess. I, I'm not sure. No, I completely agree with you. But yeah. like you said yeah. earlier, you have them on both sides of the fence though. And, and, and right. that's the thing though. I mean, th that's why these, these, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really uh, see the value in these in these Jewish conspiracy theories. To be honest, right? Yeah. I mean, no, I think I, they're I, very. I do not subscribe to them because they're very, they're very, very simplistic. They're very primitive, and and they're they're not even correct. They're not even. I mean, in my opinion, they're 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 easily disproven. Well, right? and they're so uh, they're so contagious. You know, it's like you they they really are like um, once you start getting into them it's just like it's impossible to interact with somebody who's in that space yeah, and not encourage that like anything you say they're going right. to take as evidence that they're correct you know yeah, so there's no way no, to get out it, of it it's like some it's like some i don't know monomania based I mean, yeah it's kind of like monomania like, exactly they become totally obsessed yeah and they well i don't know i don't, I don't remember what that uh that uh, theory is called. Maybe you know the theory is that, like, like when you believe something, you see evidence yes. for it everywhere because because your brain basically shuts out all the contrary evidence. Yes. 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 And, exactly. and, and with this, I mean, you can tell them whatever you want, and they will stop. They just won't listen, right? Yeah, they'll be like, like no, no, it's not, that, it's not true. Yeah. It's not true. Right. It's not true what you're saying. Like yeah. about the Bolsheviks, I can show them the numbers. I can show them the statistics from the archives. I've look, look. These were, I mean, these were the ethnic groups like in charge of the revolution, and it basically shows it's not a Jewish conspiracy. Yeah. No, no, it's not true. It's not true. It's no, all right. It's all... They they won't accept it. I mean, the Fake. funniest thing is the Talmud. Right. They the best is they they go to the Talmud, 
and they find out these little things in the Talmud. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. And it's like, it's like the Talmud is like, it's like a platonic dialogue. It's like, that's what I mean. It's 8,000 pages of people talking. It's like, it's not, this isn't the policy of Judaism. It's just like one line, you know? Yeah. It's just really silly because I I mean, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like these people that quote the Talmud quotes, like the, the yeah. Jews have done this because of this Talmud quote. Yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, but what? That's crazy, man. I like, do, do, do you, I mean, do people really believe that, that the average Jew knows all these Talmud quotes by heart? And and like, the average Jew like, doesn't know like, any Talmud quotes. Obviously, by heart. right? So that, but that's my point, right? It's not like they're planning it according to, to, yeah. to fulfill right. the. I don't know to to realize the quotes. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's just it's just silly. Uh, what can I say? All right. Well, let's wrap up here by um by this has been great. I this is I've learned so much. I what's so great about your perspective is that we're really missing. I don't talk to enough people who live in Europe. You know, I, I can tell that I I've lived. You know, I studied law in at Ufa, University of Amsterdam. So wow. I have, you know, my dad lives in Italy, so right. I've experienced Europe a lot, but I, your perspective is very valuable because I think it's like, I, we get so in our world of America and like the things you're saying are are great. So I, I'm really excited to have you on and um, yeah. So what's up next with the book? Are you going to do a tour? Are you going to do what, what's going on with the book? Well, I don't know. I mean, it's been, it's been out for three days now. Um, going to do. I think I'm going to do a couple more podcasts on it, uh, trying to promote it. Uh, yeah, no tour planned yet. I'd like to do a tour. I'm not sure if I have time. Are you on Twitter? Uh, I'm on Twitter. What's yeah, same name? Same name, real name. So. I got it, but it's not Arctos. No, no, Arctos is separate Twitter. So no, I know, Ar- I know. You're not, you're not Arctos. But I, I just have to. Hold on, let me just. Right. Uh, Constantine. How do Actually, I say your name? Constantine. Right. Constantine Van Von 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 Hofmeister. Von Hofmeister. There you go. Right. It's a very uh, that that name. So Von, does that mean you're Dutch? No, the the, the Dutch is Van. It's with an A. Van, the, the Von right. is, 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 well, it's with an O. It's like some sort of aristocratic prefix, right? Uh, so because it. my my ancestor fought in the in the Boxer Rebellion in China as a lieutenant general, had like three thousand people under him against you know the Boxers, the, the, the rebelled against the European colonists. You don't come up, I can't find uh, you, Constantine. Uh, yeah, I'm shadow banned basically on Twitter. Yeah, just just type in at at Constantine von H. Constantine with the I N E. No, no, no E at the end. No E, just Constantine. Constantine von. Oh, there you H. Are. Okay, I see. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. I think it's a it's a classic. It's a classic case of shadow banning. Not showing yeah, here, up. Yeah, I'm liking here. your book. Uh, so yeah, no, dude. Um, yeah, it's. I, I'll. I just ordered your book. I'll read it. I'll let you know what I think. And yeah, I'll. I'll try and get you on. Uh, you know, if anybody asks me, I'll. I'm just great. You went on Ren. And yeah, I'll, I'll spread the word, man. I, I really like your perspective. So thanks for joining. No, well, you're very welcome. And thanks for having me. I greatly appreciate it. I did.